0: We uh, need tonight to discuss the last two of the seven baptisms in the Bible. And so I thank you for your kind attention. It's good to see you here, uh, both members and visitors alike. We're thankful to God for your presence, and we're thankful to God for those who are visiting with us online as well. God is good. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Righteous Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for allowing us to be able to be here today to meet tonight, to worship you. Thank you for giving us the strength, the energy, the ability to have been able to arise from our beds of slumber this day and to be here today. Pray, Lord God, that you'll bless our minds, that our spirits will be lifted from the hearing of your word. That you'll give us the strength, Lord God, spiritually speaking, to go out and fight against evil again and to stay strong for you. Help us remember Jesus, your great son, who... Uh, brought forth to us the amazing sacrifice, the salvation of our souls. These things we thank you for and pray in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, for be thy will. Amen. Matthew chapter 3 is where we're going to begin tonight. Uh, the sixth of the seven baptisms is the one uh, entitled Baptism by Fire. Matthew 3 verse 11. The Bible says, As for me, I baptize you with the water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. And I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn that he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Matthew chapter 25, please. Everyone will be baptized. We have the choice. Thank God for the choice, the option while we're on the earth. We have the option of being baptized according to our will, to surrender to his will and his purpose. Or we can choose not to be baptized. But realize this. That there is a baptism of fire. And that fire is the hells that uh, we have to shun. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 45, the Bible says, Who then is the, excuse me, I'm in the wrong path. Matthew 25 and verse 45. Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And that punishment is a punishment of fire. Revelation chapter 20, the verses 13 uh, through uh, verse 14. There is a hell. And I know no one likes to talk about it today, just, just like no one likes to talk about really anything in regards to spirituality. But there is a hell. Hell. And unfortunately, sadly, uh, the multitude of the world will end up there for disobedience to our great God. The Bible's clear about it. I mean, the Bible's not only clear, it is crystal clear. But it's like, when you think of hell, it's those, it's those types of scriptures that we, that we scribble out in the Bible, or we, we read over, or we pretend like they don't exist. But it's real. You know what it's called now? Today it's called, Hate speech. If you talk about hell, it's hate speech. That's the world for you. There is a hell. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of of fire. And then Jesus says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. Listen to what Jesus, by all this is by inspiration, right? Through the apostle Paul says, This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment, so that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it's only just for God to repay with afflictions those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of His power. So let's be sure to talk to as many as we can about heaven, the heaven to gain, and the hell, the hell to shun. So they might surrender their lives unto Jesus. Now Romans 3, verse 23, tells us there's a sin problem in the world today. And so it speaks of the only way we're going to get out of this sin problem it's through the one baptism that must be obeyed. The final baptism, the baptism of water by way of immersion according to the scriptures. Romans 3 and verse 23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. Not one of us, except for infants, has not sinned. And we're guilty before God for sin. In Romans 6 and verse 23, it tells us that when you speak of sin and regarding sin, our lives, brethren, in order for us to be saved, we've got to get rid of it. We have to get rid of sin. But how do you do that when you're outside of Christ? Romans 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. And so we've got to get rid of the sin In our lives turn to John chapter 11 and we know as children of God we we can repent of our sins We can confess our faults one to another and God will forgive us But how do we get into the state where we're saved in the saved relationship with the Lord So that we can make those prayers and make that confession and be forgiven of our sins The remedy is Jesus right He died That we may be forgiven and live. But Satan knows that. So here's what Satan has done. He has muddied this water. So much so to where people sound like Naaman. Aren't the rivers of Abanar and Farpar better than the waters that Jesus speaks of? But there's nothing better. But he's muddied the water. And he's confused, folks. And I hope tonight I can clear some of that confusion up. John 11 and verse 25, Jesus taught this. Jesus said to her, I am the way, oh, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And he's speaking of his death, burial, and resurrection. But he's also speaking of the Christian's death, burial, and resurrection. And we'll get there in just a moment. In Matthew chapter 28, someone told me one day when I was talking to them in the Bible study, they said, well, I, I don't know about everything in the Bible. I struggle with some of it. I only believe what you read in the red letters. <laughs> and so the words of Jesus in the gospel. And I said, well, okay, have you have you been baptized? He goes, oh, no, there's no reason to get baptized. And I said, but the red letter says you do. <laughs> That's what the red letters say. Right, the red letters doesn't say anything else. It says, you need to get baptized. Have you done that yet? Well, you know, I haven't gotten around to that yet. He started giving me every reason not to get baptized. And I said, but that's not what the red letters say. Right? Man has muddied the water of salvation so desperately to where, and so deeply to where people don't want to get baptized today. Because they believe men instead of believing Jesus. They believe men instead of believing the inspired apostles. And that's a problem. Verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then Jesus says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. That's how you make disciples. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said that. Why do folks choose to argue with Jesus? Mark chapter 16. Baptism is by immersion. It is the very teachings of the Savior. He showed us, first of all, through John. And then Jesus himself was immersed. And then the teaching continues on. But we have so many different ways of being baptized now in our world today, right? By pouring, a fusion they call it, a fusion, or by sprinkling, by just throwing water in your face. I mean, they can do just about anything they want nowadays, right? And there, and by the way, uh, uh, there are some churches that they beat the drum for their baptism. Jesus says, the red letters, verse uh, fifteen. He said to them, going to. All the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. I love the fact that this is a point of contention because he didn't say, He that believeth not and is not baptized. He doesn't have to say the rest. <laughs> he told you what to do. And you do what you're told what you're told to do, the rest of it doesn't matter. Right? But I'm not going to deal with this passage right here because i got so much more I want to deal with. Go to Romans chapter 6. A believer must be buried in water. And the Bible makes that clear. Jesus, again, made it clear. It's clear all the way throughout. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 and verse 4, the Bible says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. The New Testament explains what Jesus showed us, right? The New Testament explains what Jesus Christ showed us clearly in the Bible. Now go back, if you will, to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew Chapter 3. And the reason this is a point of contention is because Satan knows this is how mankind is saved. Right? So it's a point of contention. So we need to stand up to that contention. If you will. Be willing to preach the truth. Don't water it down. Right? Never interfere with the work of God. Never. Never interfere with the work of God, number one. Number two, never be afraid. To teach the work of God. right? Don't water it down. Teach the Bible the way the Bible expects us to be, uh, or rather to be taught. And Matthew 3 and verse 13, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering, said to him, Permit it at this time For in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness that He permitted Him. And after He was, excuse me, after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were open and He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon Him. So notice Jesus came up out of the water, which tells us what? He went down into the water. It's an immersion. Right? So when you go all the way over to Acts chapter 8, And you find the Ethiopian eunuch, and he's out there in the middle of the desert. And he says, look, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? In verse 36, the Bible says, and they went along the road, and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they had come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. It's an immersion. Remember Jesus said, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Jesus said, even if you die, you will live. Because a man it, today in this world, we got to die of the spiritual Death, all the bad stuff in our lives has to go away so that we can live. So that all things will be new. And that can only happen through a death, burial, and a resurrection, brethren. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And then Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. The Bible makes it clear that baptism is essential to salvation. Galatians 3 and verse 26. For you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Baptized believers, turn to Romans 6 please. Because of the resurrection, have been made new in Christ Jesus. Buried with Him. Someone says, well let me ask, he said, I'm a, I'm a Um, a born-again believer, you've heard of that. I'm a born-again believer. So the question that I ask is, when did you die? If you're born again, you already exist. Now you're born a second time, which means you had to have died at some point. When did you die? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, if you're born again, that means you died and you were born a second time. When did you die? And the only time that we die in this life in recognition to God and for Christ and through Christ is through baptism. Romans 6 verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. The resurrection, right? The resurrection like unto Jesus' resurrection, like unto Jesus. Remember, Jesus died, was buried, and rose. He walked on the earth. Brethren, we die, we're buried, and we rise, and we walk on the earth, just like Jesus. And then we have died in the likeness of Jesus. Turn to Colossians uh, for a moment, chapter 2. We die in the likeness of Jesus. We are resurrected in the likeness of Jesus. And we live on forevermore with Christ Jesus, our Lord, never having to be baptized again. God is good. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all Rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. We're going to Acts chapter 2. There are some objections to baptism. The only baptism to be obeyed, and there are objections to this only baptism, this one baptism that the Bible speaks of. But know for sure this one thing. A person can never, when we're trying to answer the question about someone who says, well, I was baptized back in 19-whatever, and et cetera, et cetera. In order to answer the question properly, here's what you must always know. You can never be taught wrong and baptized right. That is an absolute impossibility. And we had that example. You read the example. Acts 18, Acts 19. You cannot be taught wrong and baptized right. So scriptural baptism is not an outward sign of an inward grace. It is not because one has already been saved. It is not because of the merits of men. It is not because of the work of man. It is not something you do to infants. It is not sprinkling. It is not... Pouring. It is not a sacrament. Let me, let me show you very simply why it's none of that. Simply going back to Acts chapter 2. Because Acts chapter 2 is the, is the pinnacle and the pivotal point from Old Testament to New Testament. The New Testament church begins. And people get upset when they say, well, why are you only going to Acts 2? Well, where else are you going to go? And I'm going to show you why you have nowhere else to go in just a moment. It's the only place chronologically that you can go in the Bible by sitting at the apostles' feet to understand how to be saved. So let's follow this. Did you know that it wasn't until 44 A.D., approximately, that the first New Testament book was written? And that was the book of James, 44 A.D., Did you know that the book of Romans, where folks go to all the time, Romans 10, Romans 10, that wasn't written until 56 A.D.? The church began in 33 A.D. Did you know that, and you can go through all the books, the book of Ephesians, where, you know, Ephesians 2, saved by grace. We we know we're saved by grace, but that wasn't written until about 60 A.D. So if you're sitting with Peter and you're sitting at his feet and he's teaching the gospel message to you and trying to tell you how to be saved, there is nowhere that you can go but wherever Peter takes you. All this other false teaching, this teaching that's come along the way, by the way, it came like in 18, 1900s. But anyway, all of that stuff came later. Even the Roman Catholics came with theirs hundreds of years later of infant baptism. You can't go anywhere else. Acts 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? So where do you go? Well, go to Romans. You can't go there. It's not written yet. Go to Ephesians. You can't go there. It's not written yet. Paul's not even an apostle yet who, who was inspired, who wrote those books. You can't go there. They're not written yet. So why is this a point of, of confrontation? Because Satan knows this is the way of salvation. And Satan wants to keep this out of the hand of everyone. And the repentant believer who asked the exact same question as they asked on the day of Pentecost, what should we do? You've got to find the answer in Jesus. You cannot find the answer anywhere else. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit fell upon the twelve apostles. The twelve apostles were preaching. We're going to Matthew chapter 16. The Twelve apostles were preaching the message of God. The men heard the message spoken, and they wondered if maybe the apostles were full of sweet wine. But they heard them speaking in tongues, in their own native tongues in which they were born. And it goes on to talk about Parthians and Medes and and residents of uh, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia. And it goes on down, Pontish and, and Asia, and all these folks are there, and they're listening and they're amazed. And when the question comes up, as they all are preaching, men and brethren, what shall we do? After they heard they crucified the Lord, the Savior. You know, uh, James doesn't stand up. The beloved apostle John, he doesn't step forward. You know, none of the apostles stepped forward, except for one. And I'll tell you why the one stepped forward. Because in Matthew 16, when Jesus said, whom do you say that I am? One of them said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Solomon or Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I want to jump all the way over to verse, eight, uh, verse 19. Here's what, here's what Jesus says, verse 18. And Peter said to, uh, excuse me, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, this confession, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you, Keep the context. He's talking to Peter. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And so the message is to the apostles in general. But specifically he's talking to Peter. So when you go over to Acts chapter 2. And they ask the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? The man with the keys gives the answer. Peter, in verse 38, 37 rather, I guess, 38, Peter said to them, repent and that each of you be baptized. Now, the question is, are you going to listen to the man with the keys or someone that doesn't have a key? (laughs) I mean, wisdom says you might want to listen to the person who has the key. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, right, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your, your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words, he kept solemnly testifying and kept exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Now let me ask you a question. If all you have to do is ask Jesus in your heart, and just call the name of the Lord, believe in Jesus and you're saved, they believe. Verse 37 says, they said, well, what shall we do? How can we, how can we be saved? They believed. They repented. They were sorry for what they had done. But Peter said, you're not saved yet. Well, where did he say that at? Well, let me read it again. Verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent, and let each of you be baptized In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord God shall call to himself. Listen to verse 40. And with many other words he solemnly testified, and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. They are not saved yet even though they believed and trusted and repented. Verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You see, it's in Acts chapter 2. There's no other place to go. So, all right, now let's pretend that we're there on that day. Let's stand up with Peter. Say, Peter, uh, what you're teaching is false. What we believe is. Now who would do that? No one did. So why would you? Why would I? Why would we argue with Peter? We wouldn't argue with Peter. Because there's nothing to argue about. John chapter 12. John 14, excuse me. Go to John 14. Now let's look over at verse, uh, verse 25. Here's one of the reasons you wouldn't argue with Peter. Because Peter, in John chapter 14, in verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Holy Spirit, the Helper rather, excuse me, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said. So when Peter said to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, Peter wasn't making that up. The Holy Spirit Gave that message to Peter. So when we speak to our friends and they argue baptism, you're like, you're going to argue with the Holy Spirit and God and Peter about baptism when there's no other book you can go to? There is no other argument. When I study with people about baptism, we don't go in any other book. There's no other book to go to. There's no other book written. And I'll show them. Here you go. All right, look, 44 AD, 56 AD, 60 AD, all the way through. And I said, there's no other book to go to. They're the words of Jesus. We can get them if you want to go back to Jesus. We can go back and get what Jesus said. But there's no other place to go. Yeah, yeah but my pastor said, Now wait a minute, your pastor's not inspired. Well, well my daddy said, I know, I love your daddy, but I'm going to have to go with Jesus on this. Right? And if we could get them to think and open their mind up to what Jesus says, the Holy Spirit says, and what Peter says, Then they'll be open to salvation. And I'll bet you that's why Peter kept on preaching because they hadn't yet received it based on what the text says. They, these who received the word were baptized, not those who heard it, but those who received it. And so what we're looking at is the Bible teaches very simply that the seed will be cast out and, and some is sometimes going to fall on hard soil. And you just have to accept it. It's not personal. Don't take it personal. It's just, it's going to fall on, on rocky soil. And when it does, it does. So we see ourselves as seed planters, or we water, but that's all we do. God does the rest, right? And their hearts are not open to the truth of God's Word. We don't water it down. We don't twist it. We don't change it. We don't try to make friends with the world. We teach the gospel according to its truth. We plant the seed, and then we move on. Never be ashamed to teach the Word of God in truth. Always tell the truth. Acts 2, we close. Baptism is an immersion in water for the forgiveness of our sins. The baptized believer receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now here's what's also interesting. When you're studying with someone, they say, well, you know, I was in with grace or I believe Jesus. I, I prayed for him. I prayed him into my heart or whatever. You say, well, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? The exact same question that Peter asked those disciples in Ephesus. He says, oh, you were baptized. Yeah, we were baptized. Well, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, we haven't even heard of a Holy Spirit. When did you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you said you asked Jesus in your heart and you have no Bible for it. But somehow you receive the Holy Spirit, right? At some point, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? We don't have time to really continue on with it. But the point is, you see, there's no you don't have to run everywhere else. Don't run around with people like you're on a roller coaster. Well, when you go to Acts, and you go, well, go over to Romans, if you you go to Ephesians, and then you go to this commentary, and then you go, No, you don't have to do that. Just go to Acts two. There's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go. Verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being baptized or those who were being saved. We know the saved were the baptized. We don't have to go anywhere else. And sometimes what it feels like in these Bible studies, it feels like, People become paralyzed because they realize there is no other place to go. And then the tension mounts, right? And you get on edge because you're like, well, they're not answering the question yet. They're not answering the question yet. Just wait. This is not between you and them. It's between them and God. Let God work on their hearts, right? Step out of the way. We get in the way too much, right? Get out of the way. said, say, well, you know, there's no, you, you give them the proper teaching and you show them historically. You show them the historical account. You show them there's no other place to go. You let them see it's very simple, that the sinners in that day were, were lost. And if someone says, well, you know, preacher, I don't know if I agree with that, then I'll ask this question right here. So if the first book getting written until 46 A.D., 44 A.D., James. So then from A.D. 33 to A.D. 44, were those people lost and never have a chance to be saved? Because the teaching you're bringing is not in Acts. The teaching you're bringing hasn't even been taught yet. So how were they saved? How were they saved? Now how are we saved. Let's, how were they saved? And, and then just be quiet. And if you're going to be honest, you have to say they were baptized into Christ Jesus. And then you ask are you ready to be saved? And step out of the way. Right? Bible study is a lot easier than we make it. We make it tough. We think we have to have a thousand answers to a thousand questions. And we don't have those answers usually. It's simple when we just let the Bible speak for itself. And then, step out of the way. Tonight, the lesson is yours. And I'm I'm not sure if there are any tonight that would like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism. The invitation is to you. The opportunity is yours tonight to be baptized to receive God's gift of salvation, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to be made one with Christ, to be added to the church, the only church you can read about in the Bible. Still the same church, still going. Hadn't died, Rome tried to kill it, but Jesus said it'd never go away. If we can help you in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.